The Penumbra Podcast is very pleased to announce our super new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is an incredible mobile game, a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. As we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary, and you know what that means. Free stuff just for signing up for our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date so don't miss out we've received a unique promo code for every new user so please follow our link in the description and use promo code maxpool that's promo code m-a-x-p-o-o-l once again thank you so much to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, uh, good evening, traveler. And welcome to the Penumbra. Tonight's tale is Juno Steel and the Bird's Eye View. Chip! Chip Hoffman, slow down, we just want to talk to you. You'll never take me alive. You'll never. Glad that fence held. Else we really wouldn't have taken him alive. I don't know, Mr. Steele. <clears throat> There's something about how scared he looks that makes me nervous. You're right. Let's catch up with him before he does something really stupid. <sighs> Our pursuit of Chip Hoffman hadn't lasted long before he hit the fence encircling that floating island. He was cornered, which meant this chase was about to end one way or another. I just hoped it ended my way. My name's Juno Steele. I'm a private eye. And I've got a lot of experience being cornered, which means I know just how stupid the mind can get when it's looking for a way out. Any way out at all. Chip looked at me gaining on him and fresh sweat burst through his pores. He turned around, took a handful of chain link fence, then tried to pull himself up. He's not gonna... No way. Don't climb that fence, Mr. Hoffman. This hover island is nearly two miles from the surface. There's no way you would survive a drop from this height. If it's between the drop and Lawrence Hoffman... I'll take my chances with the drop. Wait. This is about Lawrence Hoffman? That nice little man with the sad, sad eyes? You can't really be scared of him, can you? Watch me. Chip. Mr. Hoffman, don't. Or do, I guess. It looks like you can't climb that fence anyway. You'll never catch me. Mr. Steele, ain't you gonna stop him? I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, but it's still kind of embarrassing watching him, ain't it? Fine. Do your worst, then. 
I can take it. Chip, we're really not here to hurt you. We just have a few questions. Oh. You do? Uh, <clears throat> questions about what? A bird that Lawrence Hoffman owns named Monty. We know it was a long time ago, but... Do- ah! Mr. Steele, he's going for the fence again. Chip was a little easier to deal with once I dragged him off the fence and back to his apartment. He invited me in for a drink, poured it, drank it, realized his mistake, poured another, and drank that one too before I gave up on ever getting the drink. Finally, once he'd waterlogged himself enough, he said, I didn't do anything to that bird, I swear. Uh, at least, I don't remember doing anything to it. Great, another one. Uh, uh, you won't tell Lawrence, will you? It's just that uh, the day Monty died was a, a difficult day for me. I heard through Lydia about the investor dinner that she and Lawrence would be having and decided to offer my expertise, you could say. Uh, I'm in sales, you see. What do you sell? You know, I think that's actually a pretty rude question. I still have time to sell something. I'm only 60 years young. But at the time, I was in such an embarrassing hurry about the whole thing. I wanted to be helpful to Lawrence, to prove something about myself. And I I guess to get back on his good side. What did you do to get off his good side? (sighs) Lawrence was a difficult man. Well, I I guess I assume he still is. The thing about Lawrence is, he's honest, but usually when you don't want him to be. On the day Monty died, for example, before that dinner, Lawrence had a lot of words for me. A lot of very honest words. Because if I'm being honest with you, Chip, you don't mind if I'm um, honest, do you? Oh, please, I hope you know you can be honest with me. Good, good, that's good. I don't like you, Chip. Have have you gotten that impression yet? Have I done a good job, you know, getting that across? Uh, hey, whatever I did to upset you, I didn't mean... You like to hide behind that, don't you? I didn't mean... Well, maybe you did and maybe you didn't, but I'd at least like to say this. I don't really care. You've been living under my roof and eating my food for a couple years now, and supposedly you've gotten a job, but... Well, just between you and me, Chip, a little secret between in-laws, but do you really have a job? Sales. And I can be helpful to you, Law. That's why I was telling you about all my ideas, and... And you're embarrassing yourself saying them out loud? I I mean, don't you think it's embarrassing? Because... and, And full offense, Chip. You probably, um, should be embarrassed. But that's not even the, well, the issue here, the problem, or the way I see the problem is I just, I don't believe you. Law, I never... Now you've got to let me finish, Chip. You've just got to let me get one full thought out, Okay. I don't believe you have a job because I can't imagine a single thing in this galaxy you wouldn't fail at. But I know Lydia isn't loaning you money anymore because, well, because I put a stop to it. Even so, I think you're up to something, Chip. But I'm not asking you to stop either because I know better than that. I know it wouldn't work. (laughs) Then what are you asking? Oh, I'm not asking. Just warning Because when I find out what you're up to, Chip Hoffman, there's not going to be any of this, you know, hiding behind Lydia and asking her to save you and all that. There won't be anywhere you can run that I won't get you, no matter how long it takes me to find out what you're up to. Law, I promise you, I'm not doing anything. Well, that's a relief. I guess you don't have anything to worry about then, huh? Now, is that my lovely wife I hear? 
Oh, Lawrence. And Chip. And Minty Kensington. Half an hour early. My, you must be excited to hear our pitch. I trust my wife has given you everything you've asked for? Um, yes, of course. I thought she would. Well, why don't we get started then? Chip, it's been a lovely chat, but we have some business to get to. Do you mind? Oh, uh, not at all. Um, have a good dinner. I'm probably not going to surprise you when I tell you that Lawrence tells that part of the story a little differently. Oh, does he? How so? Mostly he doesn't tell it. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. How did you end up back at their dinner then? Since Lawrence made it clear that he didn't want you there. Oh, I don't think Law ever said that. You don't? No, no, no. He said he didn't like me. And when you think about it, that's sort of a challenge, you know? What do I have to do to get him to like me? That's what I kept asking myself. What can I do to make myself so useful that Lawrence will just forget he's so angry with me? It's always been a personal policy of mine not to let bad feelings just sit there. You've got to grab them at the source and never give up. So, your grand plan to fix the fact that Lawrence found you annoying was to never leave him alone? Oh, well, that was part of it. But I'm not, you know, a fool. That's a relief. I knew I'd need some help to, well, turn the mood in my favor. So, I poisoned everyone. You... Sorry, you're going to have to run that one by me again. Dinner. Uh, The fish from Bacchus. I was trying to think of what I could do to help Lydia and Lawrence with their pitch and also get back on Law's good side. So I went into the kitchen. A little treat, I thought, would be just the thing to get my mind going. And that's when I smelled the fish in the oven and saw the timer about to go off. So I thought I'd help by taking dinner out and plating it for everyone. And that's when I saw the sacks. The poison sacks were sitting unbroken at the top of the trash can. I remembered Lydia telling me about the poison, about how it makes you giddy and it makes you laugh. I thought that was just the thing we needed to make dinner a success. So I grabbed the sacks, punctured them, and poisoned three of the four meals. Or I I tried to, anyway. I must have made a mistake because I ended up poisoned too. I, I, I I guess I poisoned all of them. I felt like dinner went very well after that. Monty, I'll kill the bird. Lawrence, no. You will not. Lawrence! (laughs) You knew I still felt this way about you, didn't you? You knew, and you called me to this dinner knowing it. (laughs) Lawrence had over-seasoned the fish. But besides that, a very pleasant meal. Then, I remember Lawrence falling unconscious, and then Minty. And after that... Wait, uh, wait, hold on. Was Monty still alive when Lawrence passed out? Oh, he was alive, all right. Alive and feeling extremely talkative. I'll kill the bird! If Monty doesn't stop jabbering that, I swear, I'll kill the bird. I swear, I'll kill the bird. Hmm. But once it was just me and Lydia holding out against the effects of the poison, dinner became very pleasant. Lydia just about raised me as a kid. Our parents just kind of adopted me and forgot me. And since she's ten years older, she always took care of me. But those days, I didn't see nearly as much of her as I used to, and and that's even with us living in the same house. And, well, I guess I missed my big sister. (laughs) 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 (sighs) Oh, Lydia, Liddy, Liddy, Liddy. Why don't we have times like this anymore? Well, 
Lawrence is typically conscious. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, what time is it? Oh, I'm going to regret this when I have to wake up for work in the morning. But I just can't make myself care. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't ruin a nice moment with lies. What? You don't really have a job, Chip. Are you accusing me? Because I can't believe that's just ridiculous, Lydia. How could you? How could you? How could you? That wasn't a question. I already know. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, hell. Of course you know. I can never keep anything from you. What was it that gave me away? You never actually go to work. Go? As in outside the house? Is that something that people with jobs do? Lawrence doesn't know yet because he's been too excited about his own work to notice. But he'll notice soon, Chip. He'll notice soon and then he'll start asking questions. Questions? About how you keep buying new Hashemi suits on no income. The money has to be coming from somewhere. And once he finds that out... What? What? What happens if he finds out? (sighs) You are my baby brother, Chip. I will always protect you. I just wish... I just wish you wouldn't put me in a position where I have to all the time. Then you you can fix it again? Ugh, that's a relief. I don't know if I can. You've been stealing from Lawrence and me, Chip. Stealing? Stealing? Lydia, I would never... But you have! I caught you in his office yesterday making copies of some of our research notes. Is someone buying them from you? Who? I... That is... I... I... You... that is... you... you... what? That's all I said. You didn't even answer her question? Well, what was I supposed to say? I really was stealing from them. Then what did you do? I, um, pretended to pass out. Chip. Chip Hoffman, don't play dead on me. I'll wait you out all night. Chip! You just ignored her? Your own sister, and you just played dead for hours? I'm not proud of it. Okay, but you are a little. A little bit, yeah. Like, what are you even supposed to do to that? Weirdly, it's kind of genius. Mr. Steele. And anyway, it wasn't for hours. I was still poisoned, remember? I lost consciousness eventually. That was after Lydia stopped shouting, though. She must have passed out from the poison, too. And that's all you remember? That is all. Only, um... Well, I hope you can keep certain aspects of that story away from Lawrence. What, the bits about how you were stealing money and secrets from him? Mostly that one, yes. Yeah, no, I'm super telling on you. What? What? Mr. Steele, don't be mean. Rita, what? Anyway, I'm sorry, Mr. Hoffman, but this is the job I've been hired to do. I've got to report everything back to Lawrence. Unless... Unless... Unless you think you could get me a meeting with your sister Lydia. She's the one person connected to this case I can't seem to get a hold of. And that's how I got my meeting with Lydia Hoffman. 
She and Chip met every week on Wednesdays for breakfast and coffee in Chip's incredibly expensive playpen. And given it was Tuesday when I met Chip, that meant I didn't have long to wait. Chip asked me to come back the next day and he'd introduce us over breakfast. I agreed on the condition that he not go near any fences till then. But let me tell you, Lydia Hoffman did not look happy to see me the next day. Lydia, this is Detective Juno Steele. I think you've heard of him. Hmm. And Detective Steele, this is Lydia Hoffman. Um, I'm just going to leave you two to it then. Sorry, Lydia. Did I say I'm sorry? So sorry. So, Juno Steele. I've heard that name a lot lately. Your calls, Lawrence's calls, now Chip's calls. You're a hard woman to reach, Dr. Hoffman. And the name sounded familiar, so I looked into it and saw that my hunch was right. I saw you on that Dark Matter stream a few months ago, and that makes me think, of course, what is Lawrence doing associating with someone wanted by Dark Matters? What has he gotten into? I'd been waiting for this moment, but that didn't make it any easier. There was something about Lydia Hoffman that made me really not want to go toe-to-toe with her. A bird-like pointedness in her eyes. A soft and quiet control. She had leverage on me, and I'd learn a lot from her based on whether she decided to use it. And then I thought, well, of course that's who Lawrence has gotten to work for him. Has he paid you already? I work for half up front. That half is all you're likely to get if he doesn't find a way to squeeze it back out of you. You're playing with fire, working for Lawrence Hoffman. Do you understand that yet? You know, uh, the way he tells it, the bird is the reason you two split, but listening to you, I'm not so sure about that. It makes sense that he would think that. Lawrence was never very... reflective. But once he did what he did to Monty, that was the straw that broke the camelzoid's back, as they say. Did anybody else know that's how you felt? Publicly? Of course not. Presenting a unified front with Lawrence was key to our success. I've had plenty of success in the years since we separated, of course, but it hasn't been of the same, well, the same character, if you understand what I mean. No. A husband and wife team of expert researchers makes such a good story, doesn't it? The press eats it up, and because the press is so interested, investors are too. There was a degree of success I achieved with that man that I don't think I ever could again. Minty Kensington seemed to be under the impression that there was some room for her to wiggle in. If you know what I mean. You never said anything to her? Old college friend like that? Oh, Minty. I I knew she was interested in me, of course. I may even have used it to my advantage, but still, I pity her, I think. I knew exactly what she wanted when she came to our dinner so early. It was awful timing, awful. I knew that rejecting her would hurt our chances at getting her funding, but what else was I supposed to do? String her along? As your friend... And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To have a friend you know so much about. Beautiful, yes. Beautiful. There was something Lawrence said about your pitch to Minty that I thought was especially interesting. An angle he was really pushing that you didn't want him to mention. Sounded far-fetched to me. His claims that he could return dead things to life? If only they were far-fetched. Why didn't you want him talking about it, if you don't mind my asking? Because he didn't know what he was talking about. Bringing people back to life... He hadn't thought about it in the slightest. 
But it turns out he was right, doesn't it? I don't mean whether it could be done. You sound like him. This is why I tried to convince him that I should do the talking when it came to Minty. I believe, well, history is full of people who made great changes without considering what the effects of those changes might be. Just once, what if we considered who should control power like that before we let it loose? Lawrence didn't like that line of reasoning. Who should control it? Well, we should, obviously. I think you mean that you should. And what if I do? Why why shouldn't I? If an unambitious, pea-brained little coward like you can't handle it, why not me? I'm not. Don't talk to me that way. You know that feeling you've told me that you get? Looking at your own work or attending some big publisher's meeting and you suddenly think to yourself, Oh God, I'm no good at this. I'm a fool and a terrible scientist, and now everyone will know. And then with a massive effort of will, you quiet that voice and reassure yourself it can't be true. But you know what, Lydia? I'm starting to think you should let that voice keep talking because I think it's on to something. You're not a real scientist. A real scientist has some spine. But you, oh, you're a sad little fraud. And I think that deep down, you know it. Lawrence, if you just listen, the risks Oh, stop just... bawling! Science is risk. Science is change. I should have known you'd say this. Real progress isn't made by stupid, pathetic little pretenders. He said all those things to you? Lawrence went to great lengths to reach me again through you. The least I can do is repay with honesty. But you talked him into letting you take the lead. Only because it was Minty. When he saw us talking so much earlier than expected, I think he might have thought, that was my idea. He seemed so proud of me for whatever I had offered her. Yeah, Chip seems pretty scared of him. I think I'm starting to get why. Chip, I hoped Lawrence would leave him alone for good as well. Your proof he decided not to. Uh, Chip said you two talked after the poison knocked out Lawrence and Minty. What was that conversation about? I don't remember very well. The poison must have had a powerful effect on me by then. But I recall telling Chip I knew he didn't have a job, and I remember reassuring him of something. Then... We must have passed out. Thanks, Doc. Just one more question and then we're out of your hair. One more question? But I still got a half a million more questions about this lousy case. I just have one more question for you, Dr. Hoffman, and then I think I'm about ready to hang this case out to dry. That special fish you all had for dinner, that Bakken fish that caused this whole mess, how'd it taste? What? I was never a fan. Lawrence was very fond of it because he discovered the process for detoxifying it, but the flavor itself was always dull. Bland. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. I think I've got everything I need now. You do, Mr. Steele? Your report for Lawrence is complete, then? Not written down, but I've got it all figured out. Why are you interested? I'd have no reason to be. I was there. I saw it happen. This mystery has been solved for 27 years. You're right that you've known the solution for 27 years, Dr. Hoffman, but I don't think anybody else has. Here's how it happened. Oh boy, oh boy. Who done it, Mr. Steele? There were a few things about this story that didn't make sense to me. The poison, for one thing. Your brother said he had poisoned three of the four meals, but he must have made a mistake because he ended up poisoned too. But if he was applying the poison, wouldn't it be obvious to him which plates it ended up on? You don't know, Chip. I don't know him either, Mr. Steele, but from what little I've seen, still seems like a good point. Then there's the fish. 
three people described their fish as oversalted. You described it as bland, which brings up an idea for me. Something was different about one of the meals, yours specifically. Whatever happened that night, I don't think you were ever poisoned. I think Chip did poison three meals, but he messed up and gave you the clean one. The way other people were talking about the story, you were laughing along, sure, but that seems like a reasonable enough response to everyone around you losing their minds. And the things Chip said you talked about, things you agreed with, they don't sound the same to me as the kind of nonsense everybody else was saying. And you think it's suspicious that I lied about being poisoned, if that is what happened? If you weren't poisoned, you're the only one of the four that didn't pass out. That gives you an opportunity nobody else had. But, Mr. Steele, didn't Chip say he remembered her passing out? Chip assumed she did because she went quiet. He was playing dead at the time, so his eyes were closed. He couldn't have seen for sure. Subjective judgments based on uninteresting coincidences. Maybe I like my food saltier. Maybe I did lose consciousness while Chip's eyes were closed. Oh, come on. What are the odds of all that? He's got you dead to rights! However low they may be, the odds of all that are still much higher than the odds that I would kill my favorite pet for no reason at all. I loved Monty. Why would I kill him? You've got a point, Doctor. Without motive, none of this makes any sense. Why would you kill your favorite pet? I've been hearing a lot of the stories about you lately, Doc, and I couldn't figure that one out. What does Lydia Hoffman love more than Monty? Or... Who does she love more? Hmm. See, Monty has a habit of repeating things. Repeating things? Repeating things. You had to be careful about what you said in front of Monty because you don't know when he's going to spit it back up again. And I think you forgot that for a moment because you said something I know you didn't want repeated. You wouldn't even repeat it to us. You've been stealing from Lawrence and me, Chip. You didn't mention that slip of the tongue when you told the story. So this is my theory. You're eating dinner and noticing everybody around you is getting a little loopy. Maybe you convinced yourself you were poisoned too. Maybe you knew the poison wouldn't kill them, so you just decided to ride the night out and have some fun. You end up in a serious conversation with your brother Chip and said out loud that he was stealing from you and Lawrence. Everyone passes out but you. And then Monty says exactly the words you're dreading. You've been stealing from Lawrence and me, Chip. Monty. Stop it. You've been stealing from Lawrence and me, Chip. You will be a good bird, and you will listen to me. You stop saying that right now. You've been stealing from Lawrence and me, Chip. Lydia, what's what's that racket? Lawrence, no. You've been stealing from Lawrence and me, Chip. Monty, if you won't stop... I'm so sorry. You've been stealing from Lawrence and me, Chip. You said you'd protect your brother no matter what, Dr. Hoffman. Did you protect him from Monty? Or from Lawrence, depending on how you look at it? Did you kill Monty to keep him quiet? Yes, Detective. I did. Oh. Oh? Uh, Usually there's just a lot more, you know, fanfare. Forgive me if I'm not thrilled with the situation. So, Detective, what's next? Nothing that affects you. You're so sure of that? If there's a statute of limitations for killing your own pet bird, it must be up by now. 
I'm going to take my notes, finish the job, and move on to the next thing I have to do. But you will tell Lawrence what you've discovered. Dr. Hoffman, I have to. Lawrence is my only lead to find someone who really needs to be found. Nothing good ever comes of playing into Lawrence Hoffman's hands, Detective. I've been getting that impression, yeah. And yet, that's still your plan. Just tell him what you know, accept very little, or likely no pay at all, and leave with no more than you started with. It's not a good option, but it's my only option. Whoever you're searching for, they aren't going to fill the hole you think they will. Nobody ever does. They seem like they will, but in the end, we are not puzzle pieces destined to click together, detective. We are people. And though the person you find may complete some part of you, as Lawrence completed my work, people are bundles of odd ends, desires that cannot be fulfilled, parts that lead nowhere. Do you recognize that? I do. But I need to find him, Dr. Hoffman. He's in trouble. Very well. Then I'll see if I can help you. Any money Lawrence promised you, I'll double. Any questions you have, I'll attempt to answer, and all under only one condition. Which is? If you're satisfied with what I've said, you will make the following report back to Lawrence. That you were unable to get in contact with me, but in your professional opinion, the events of that night were exactly as he suspected them for 27 years now. He killed Monty, I was heartbroken, and our relationship ended. Do you understand? I understand the message, all right, Dr. Hoffman. What I understand less is why you're willing to go so far for me to deliver it. I don't follow. By all accounts, Lawrence Hoffman is a bad guy, but I haven't dug anything up to suggest he's an actually dangerous one. Awful, sure, but there are a million ways to be awful. So why are you willing to pay so much out of your own pocket just to keep me from telling him the truth about what happened to some bird almost 30 years ago? With Lawrence, I managed a clean cut. Our lives were completely intertwined. Now, they aren't. It's rare in life that you get a separation so incredibly neat from a situation so incredibly messy. I would like to keep it that way. Does that answer your question? And that made me wonder. We were messy. That was for sure. The whole slip thing made us even messier. What Nureyev was offering me was the kind of clean-cut Lydia Hoffman was talking about. The chance to start fresh somewhere else. With someone else. Well? Do you know anything about Lawrence's revivifying tech? That's one of the big things you two were arguing about before you split, wasn't it? Then you've accepted my offer. Depends on what you can tell me. I don't want to disturb your peace, Doctor, but I'll do anything to find him again. I see. I don't know how the fundamentals of how the revivifying tech works, but I know a bit about his work on it, yes. Could it be used to bring a person back to life? That's what Lawrence has been working on. Or rather, what the Dokana group hired him to work on a few decades ago. The Dokana group. Rita? It doesn't ring any bells, Mr. Steele. Well, it's something anyway. I heard from the person we're looking for that Lawrence wasn't involved with them anymore. Any idea what happened there? If I had to guess, I'd think it means that whatever stage of the project Lawrence was working on is complete. Complete. So they're getting close? Close to what, Mr. Steele? I'll tell you in the car. I've got this bad feeling that when it comes to the guy we're searching for, we're running out of time. 
I would have to start looking into the Dokana group right away. But something about this case still wasn't done chewing on me. Not the mystery, I'd solve that one, but something about all these people, living all these lives of regret and memory and loss. Lawrence Hoffman, who'd done his damnedest to make sure his best days were behind him. Minty Kensington, still pining over lost love and opportunity. Chip Hoffman, telling himself at 60 that life would begin any day now. And, of course, Lydia Hoffman. She seemed like the happiest of the set, and she'd done it by cutting ties with her past cleanly. Which of them would I be once this mess with Nureyev was over? I wasn't sure. But the Dokana group, that was at least something I could look into to get a little closer to finding out. If you've enjoyed this tale, please consider supporting The Penumbra. You can do so by buying our merchandise. Just search for The Penumbra Podcast on dftba.com to find posters, pins, apparel, soundtracks, and recordings of our live shows. You can also make a one-time donation to The Penumbra via PayPal at The Penumbra Podcast. Or, if you'd like to keep our stories running in the long term, we hope you will support us on Patreon. Every dollar helps. At just $4 per episode or higher, you will receive ad-free episodes two days before the public release. At the $7 level, you will gain access to behind-the-scenes content and production scripts. And at the $10 level, you will receive access to commentary tracks like this one with actors Melody Pereira and Quinn McKenzie and co-creators Kevin Vibert and Harley Takagi Kaner. Because <laughs> I, I remember emailing Holly saying, uh, do you want an American accent or do you want my regular one? Um, so luckily, um, they accepted both takes and liked my normal accent. And then I had the concern of, oh no, I have a brother now. And how do we explain that? <laughs> but it worked out. Um, we would like to give thanks to all who support us on Patreon, but especially to Aline Muktadir, Brittany Potter, Sophia and Juno Adler, the Emerlate This Podcast Haha, Tony in the Case of the Final Season, Mr. Me, Myself, and I, Ren, Cody Spaghetti, Kira, Jack M. Cohen, Girl in the Midnight Sky, Thank you, Penumbra team, for your amazing work, Braylon, Hannah and Leah's Adventures and Gender Shenanigans, Ferdinand Entrelac, the Lady Guinevere's favorite work of fiction is the Penumbra. Adrienne S. Sydney has been taken over. Shelley Schrode. Kevin, please say butts on live recording. Thanks. Jammy. Nelson. Osipit. Evit Connie. Diana Cause. Benjamin Fisher. SCP Chloe. Desert Willow thinks the best birds are seagulls. Nate Gibson. June Gashoku. Skyfire Forever. Allison Hull, Stryker Flynn, Liv Allen, Alice the Time Lord, In Memory of Spiral Opal, Eden the Gay Bookworm, Michael David Smith, Guess Who Now Murmurs O Saint Damien Every Time Something Mildly Distressing Happens, Kiki's Podcast Patronage Service, Caroline Seidman, Radia Selna, Rain and Pippin from the Glen Dimension, Karen ZH, Your Honor, I'd Like to Cross-Examine That Undead Bird, Genetic, Danny the Spoon Lord, Menchowski, Ash, Jamie Gunter, 
and Angel Acevedo for their incredibly generous contributions per episode. Thank you. This tale, Juno Steele and the Bird's Eye View, was told by the following people. Joshua Elon as Juno Steele, Kate Jones as Rita, Bob Musset as Lawrence Hoffman, Melody Pereira as Lydia Hoffman, Quinn McKenzie as Chip Hoffman, and Linda Garcia as Minty Kensington. The Penumbra is created and produced by Harley Takagi Hanner and Kevin Vibert. If you wish to know more about the full production team, you can read about them in the show notes of this episode. I'm afraid that is our time for today, dear traveler. We hope you will join us again soon.